Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans. Hello and welcome to Salt Lake Speaks, Salt Lake Magazine's own podcast. You can find this and other episodes at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Salt Lake City's Design Week. For the seventh year running, Salt Lake City's Design Week brings creativity to the forefront and explores the city's diverse and thriving design scene. Design Week will again offer daily workshops, a variety of lecture series at multiple venues, studio tours, exhibitions, networking opportunities, parties, and more. Join us October 16th to the 21st and find out more at saltlakedesignweek.org. I'm Ashley Zanter, Associate Editor of Salt Lake Magazine. Today I have Todd Cohen with us today. Thank you for sitting down. Thank you for having me. So you're involved in the tech industry, yes? Yes. So can you speak a little to your experience in this area? Yeah, so uh, I spent a little over the last 15 years in the tech industry building startups. Uh, the first, uh, one of the first startups I did was uh, called Uspot. It was kind of in the middle of Facebook and MySpace at the time. But there was a mishap that happened where they pulled all the uh, basically servers and I lost everything. And then I turned that into a white label social network where I worked with Peak Cashmore of Mashable to create the first white label social network within a blog. And then I went on to build uh, a lot of integrations like that with companies like Sun Microsystems, Disney around their shows. Uh, and then uh, soon after that, I got an opportunity to go to Brazil and launch startups there. Um, and the last startup I did in Brazil was similar to Pinterest for shopping or Instagram, okay. which I had the opportunity to sell to a company called Buscapay, which is the largest e-commerce group out in Latin America. And then I moved back here where my family has been for the last 15 years and kind of started to get more involved in the tech industry here. And now I'm helping my family with shopping mall advertising and digital and the immersions of online, offline advertising in location-based spaces. Okay, so because of your involvement in the tech industry, you know, right now everybody's just talking about this massive announcement from Apple about right. the iPhone right. 10. It's iPhone X, but pronounced right. iPhone 10. So what was your reaction to the big reveal? I, I understand you're a fan of Apple. Well, yes, yeah, so I was obviously, I had the original iPhone. I still have it. I was uh, like one of the first people to show up. I've, also, I've been what you could consider an Apple fanboy. Um, but on the flip side, I also uh, have had experience with using Android devices, especially in Brazil. Uh, iPhone is so expensive that, you know, in countries like that, you see a lot more Android use. And mm -hmm. because of my development in tech, I had to work with both. So I've had a good opportunity to work with both the iPhone and Android devices and see where people could say, oh, well, the iPhone is not the BN, you know, the, the most amazing thing in the world because Android could do just as much or more. Um, so it's this constant back and forth uh, uh, banter between both sides of which is better and why. People um, get really invested in people, this argument. Yeah, people are really, really invested in it, you know. And I think that's, that's a testament to what Apple's been able to do, mm -hmm. is they've built a culture around their brand that has enabled them to do things that others haven't. And I think one thing that does set Apple beyond like a Samsung or uh, Google in this whole race of technology is that they own everything from the hardware, now they're manufacturing the chips, and in the new iPhones, 
they've moved exclusively to their own chips, you know, uh, in terms of the hardware and uh, base. So they don't even use Qualcomm anymore for that. They use their own, and they're able to basically tie software and hardware in a way that uh, Google would love to do, but you know they can't force all the people using Android to build a certain kind of hardware spec to work perfectly with their software. Mm -hmm. So there is something to be said, and there is this whole argument of what makes Apple superior in their ability to do things. And they like to point out the fact of that they have a unique combination of the hardware and software being able to work perfectly together. Where imagine I'm Android and I build out a software to be able to do everything, but I don't have the control over the hardware. And that's where you know uh, Google is really trying to push their Pixel phone okay. to buy to basically have that same kind of relationship. Okay, and and you know, an reactions. Apple always gets reactions when they do right, these big. They're right. they're very elaborate right. and, and techy, and right. they get to stand on a stage with a spotlight. Right. You know, right. but in particular, this round of announcements sparked a lot of reactions online, particularly because of some of the changes they've made in right. in the iPhone X. So the absence of a home button yep. in lieu of Face ID technology and the complete glass casing yep. of the iPhone. I, I mean, are these improvements? So, so let's go to Face ID. I don't know if Face Face ID, you know, so they weren't the first to do Face ID. I think Samsung also had their version of Face ID, which hasn't worked perfectly. You know, I think what Apple's ability is to do is take even a technology that's already been out. So they don't always reinvent the wheel, but what they do is they take the wheel and they make it better and they make the adoption where it wasn't happening. All of a sudden now Apple seems to have the ability to take something that wasn't mainstream, that is a good technology, improve on it and actually get adoption, right? Mm -hmm. So Face ID, for example, um, in their actual demo, it didn't actually work the other day when they did the demo, there was some issue between it recognizing the faces. So there's an example of the technology. Yeah. Um, Face ID, I think, is, is just a different way of doing what you were able to do with your finger, right? You know, in, in where it is now. But I could see where technology like Face ID could enable much more, even in our industry, right? I mean, I'm in the tech industry where we're doing advertising in physical spaces and cameras are being able to judge that you're a male, female age range, right? So bring analytics to the physical world or do things. So I think the technology will enable a lot more in the future. Right now, I think it's just a nifty, oh, well, now you can unlock the phone with your face. Whether people are gonna be skeptical, skeptical excuse me, about doing that, I don't know. Um, it's kind of, you know, now you're giving, you know, a whole nother level of personalization to your device and giving that information over to a company. Oh, this is my facial, mm -hmm. you know, everything about me, not just my fingerprint, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes once it rolls out and if that is a hamper to the adoption, you know, where people are just too skeptical about this technology. Uh, it would be interesting to see how it plays out. Because people were really excited about the Touch ID, but there seems right. to be a lot more apprehension um, on the behalf of, of iPhone users about, right. you know, what if you have an identical twin or what if you dye well, your hair or there's a lot of unknowns, right? You know, and uh -huh. Apple in their whole thing, they said, you know, we've extensively tested with photos, even masks, you know, like, you know, facial masks that are made to look like someone. So they... So they say they've done all these different tests and they said, I think the, they, they said the chances of someone being able to lock, unlock your phone with something else is like one in one million, right? Mm -hmm. So they say all these things, but I think it's going to take some time of it being around before people feel as comfortable as they would like them to be.
So, you know, it'll be interesting to watch how that plays out. It's weird because people are making all of these parallels with like the Black Mirror episodes right. about the, the yeah, emojis exactly. and, and it's, it's becoming very strange. I mean, are people going to be embracing this technology? I think, I think, um, I mean, even, you know, the finger ID, I mean, right? The last time you would, you know, want to give your fingerprint is if you were like being arrested, <laughs> you know, and have, or, or some kind of government thing mm -hmm. to have your fingerprint. Now you're giving Apple right, access to your fingerprint ID, right, and then how can that be used against you if someone breaks in and gets that information about you and is be able, and somehow can recreate your fingerprint and use that, mm -hmm. right? So I guess you could, you know, there's something that could be said about all this different technology and where does the lines cross, you know, and, and I think with any, I mean, even the amount of information we give to Facebook or these different yep. services about ourselves, mm -hmm. but we seem more and more willing to do that these days for what we get for it, right? Oh, they give me access to this, they give me you know, X and Y. So I think today versus maybe 10, 15 years ago, there's a lot more acceptance in giving uh, access to stuff that we normally wouldn't think. Mm -hmm. So, so it'll be, yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think yeah. we have ability right now to kind of forget mm -hmm. what we're doing and say, oh, okay, it's just my face or yeah. just my fingerprint, but I could now cool, you know, Cool, you know, sorry, I can now easily unlock my phone with my face. How cool, right? Yeah. And that's sort of a long term, we'll have to wait and see the long term results of that, but more short term, what about the glass casing? I mean, right. iPhones notoriously shatter right. when, when you drop them, the glass seems fairly fragile, and now the whole thing is glass. Well, is they're that a saying concern? that this is the strongest glass ever, right? So, so there is something with the glass and the technology. Glass is, very, you know, I mean, there's bulletproof glass, there's glass that is extremely strong. Mm -hmm. right and crack proof right uh it's not always been used you know there's something been called gorilla gr glass that's mm -hmm. been used on some different devices so i think you know in terms of the glass you know i'd say that's less of a concern for okay. mine about the glass breaking and most people have cases now on their phones anyway you know um it'll be interesting to see like i said i haven't dove too much into the technology around the glass but but i i don't think that's going to be as much of a issue as something like the face ID maybe. Okay. So perhaps the most controversial thing though isn't the face ID, it isn't the glass casing, it isn't the lack of a home button, it's the price tag, right? right? So this iPhone 10 is ringing in at $999, so a $1,000 price right. tag. Is a phone worth $1,000? Well, so here was a good analogy I saw, right? Um, what device do you use mostly every day? Do you use your phone more than your computer or your computer more than your phone in your daily life? Personally, I probably use my phone more than my computer. And I think most people do. There's actually a lot of people who don't even use a computer anymore because the phone does most of what that person needs, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, they're trying to say, well, you're paying for the device that you use more than any other device. So mm -hmm. isn't it worth X for all these type of things, right? Now, you would think, okay, that price is going to hurt, hurt their sales. Well, there's also already been data because they could kind of track now like... Um, how many phones are still available? How quickly can I get an iPhone 8? What they're saying is people are actually waiting for the 10 and less people are buying the 8. And they're saying Apple actually assumed that was going to happen. Um, and that's why they kind of staggered the launch to try to not have as much loss in the iPhone 8 sales mm -hmm. with the 10, you know, kind of balance it out. So it's interesting to see. Plus, I think there's a novelty to it. Right, it's the 10th anniversary phone. Mm -hmm. You have to look at all the Apple fans. 
It's supposedly the best phone they've ever made. So people are willing to pay this premium for that. Um, so, so, and then, you know, going to myself, right? I'm an Apple fan. And, you know, I think it's really hard these days for, for you to look at a phone like the iPhone as such an innovative change from the last version, right? As much as it's just uh, an advance of the previous model because so much has happened in the last 10 years that, you know, processor speeds have gotten faster, you know, uh, the cameras have gotten better, right? But what really has changed in the phone com compared to the first iPhone that has made it such a drastic change that it's, it's looked at as this new innovative product by Apple, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a challenge that they and others are going to face is how do you take that to the next level, right? Is the next phone going to be no device and it's going to be in the air, right? I'm just going to, you know, something's going to pop up in more of this AR visual world, mm -hmm. right? Like where is that next change going to come from? Yeah. Right? So, well, you know. So then why, why even release the 8? Why didn't they just skip right to the, if they knew they were probably going to take losses on the 8 by releasing the 10 and sort of pimping it as question. the best phone they've ever That's had. That's a good question, right? Is it just to have a, quote, cheaper option? Or, I, think, or, I think it's to have. It seems counterintuitive from like a business perspective. Yeah, I get if you would think it, but you know they're also saying that there is going to be the people that aren't going to spend the thousand dollars, right? So how do we serve them and still give an upgrade over the previous model? Okay. So if you look at the eight, it's really kind of like, you know, the iPhone six and the seven, you know, whatever. They're trying to set them apart and say the ten is really special. But if you don't want to go there, here's this eight that will do better camera and better, you know, which is the basic things that people like their upgrades for, right? Um, because e even myself, I'm an Apple fan, and I didn't get the 7. I skipped the 7 because I was waiting for what I thought would be the 8 and saying, you know what, this phone was good enough to last me another year, mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of people these days are looking at things in that way, right? Like, um, for me, if even someone as, tech as technical as me, it's like how much more is a faster processor going to change my everyday use of that phone? Like, where is it that this device over the next one is going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Okay, screen, right? The new screen on the, on the new iPhone 10 is an OLED, right? It's the first time Apple's used that. That enables a much better picture, darker darks, you know. They've never had it on a previous iPhone, right? The new camera is much better than the camera in my version, right? And I use the, that feature on my phone a lot. So it, co it comes more to an individual usage kind mm -hmm. of thing of like, what do I really use my phone for? And cameras have become like a big part of phone usage, right? So they know that, and that's why the technology and the camera side keeps getting pushed forward mm -hmm. more and more, right? The new camera has, you know, a much better uh, processor to, you know, improve low light and everything from the flash to the, they have new features now to do portrait. Yeah, you know, portrait mode. That's right. one thing they were talking a lot about. Right. They have a really unique kind of thing that's not just software. It's hardware-based, which I could basically change, almost like a professional photographer can, using sophisticated, expensive equipment. But I could, on the fly, change your image of your face, the lighting, everything, while I'm taking the photo, but even after I'm taking the photo, right? So it's these kind of things that they know that it's going to make somebody who's like, ah, maybe I don't need the phone, take that leap and say, okay, I'll spend the money. Right, mm -hmm. um, but I think it's it's not just them, but all these companies 
uh, are going to have more and more of a problem as they go forward is like, when does the processor become fast enough? When does the camera, you know, work well enough that I don't need that upgrade, right? And I think that's the challenge, but that's also where the pressure to innovate comes from, not just Apple, from the competitors, right? So I think that's a good thing, but I also think it's a problem that they're going to face over the next few years of how do we really continue to get someone to upgrade when things are getting so good, you know? So do you think these changes, these, these upgrades, depending on how you're going to look at it, uh, are, is it going to prevent anyone from maybe making the $1,000 investment in this phone? Or are people just going to be like, you know what, I need a home button? <laughs> well, you know, I think that's, that's a good question. So, you know, related to that software, they're not the first ones who've tried to go that route and remove the home button. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it goes back to even Palm or some, some of these other companies would have tried that style interface, but they failed at the adoption, right? I think what Apple, and, and it will be interesting to see how it works, but Apple seems to have the magic to take issues that maybe didn't work in the past and do it in a way where the adoption does happen and it becomes the new normal, right? So it'll be interesting to see how that interface works once it gets into people's hands. Because in the past, it has not uh, gone well, right? Like it, in, in concept, it was you know, thought out well, but once the adoption part of it came, it didn't work well. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, how the removal of that button really changes people's usage. And if you see a lot of negative reviews on it, mm -hmm. or if people say, wow, this is like, I didn't think it was going to change the way I use the phone, but it has. So it'll be interesting to see once more and more people get it in their hands. So there's, I mean, there's always going to be the people that camp out for the phone. Right. There's just, there, there's always going to be a little tiny tent line right. a week before the phone gets released for Apple because it, it is a brand that has, you know, fanboys, fangirls. Right. They, they just follow it consistently and they're going to buy it no matter what. Right. So, but, but ultimately this new release, this best phone ever invented or created, you think it's going to increase Apple's hold on the market? Um, I think, you know, Apple's ability to have a stronghold on the, on the market. So if you think about it, right, if you think about numbers, 80, think 85% of phones are Android based, mm -hmm. right? So in terms of their hold on the market, they have a much smaller market share than Android, but they have, a, they have a, the ability to hold a stronghold on the market in terms okay. of consumer perception and the ability to be the leader in the mindset of innovation and, and have that aura of like, you know, Apple creates the cream of the crop, the best, you know. So, so they've been able to, you know, do that even though Android does own a much bigger part of the market. And okay. I think that comes back to their ability to control software, hardware, everything about the eco ecosystem, right? So they create the, Im they, they control the image, they control all these things. Uh, an example was even with Face ID, right? There, you're going to see other manufacturers try to do more and more with the Face ID with Android, but the the um, the issue with that could be is that there's not a, as much control over it, and there could be a lot of um, what's the word for it? A lot of security issues okay. with facial ID in these other operators trying to emulate what what um, Apple has done, right? So. There is a danger too mm -hmm. to uh, ecosystem like Android or just you know uh, technologies when they're trying to match what Apple's doing, especially when you come to something sensitive as Face ID uh, in terms of the security issues that if it doesn't work properly could hold. Yeah. So Apple's just it's they've got the brand loyalty. 
Yeah, it's a it's a big brand loyalty. You know, um, it, there's a huge fan base. You know, people. You know, Apple could do no wrong in mm -hmm. a huge subset. I you know I look at it more as much as I'm an Apple fan. I've used Android devices. I, like I said, when I was in Brazil, I had a Moto. I think it, they call it a Moto Cheese and Moto X. You know. And I, I enjoy, like, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the experience of using it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but on the flip side, there's just, there, there's the whole ecosystem that works with Apple. So it's, it's not just the phone. It's the, you know, I have my email system tied to Apple. I have, you know, all this calendar systems, the operating system, right, to tie in with my computer, mm -hmm. with a phone, right? That's all part of the ecosystem that helps keep people on their device, right? Keep coming back. Yeah, so it's the whole tie-in with Apple devices and Apple Home, and now everyone wants to be in your home with the Apple Home device. Mm -hmm. You know, and you see Google with Pixel, they're trying to do more of that too, because they know if you own a phone and you own the computer, right, and I could make it work better together, the chances are you're gonna have my device versus going for another one. Well, I'm totally biased. I'm a diehard Android user, yeah. <laughs> and so so I won't be getting the iPhone 10. But right. are you going to go out and purchase it? I'm definitely going to get the 10 because I had the the original, uh -huh. and being the anniversary, and the fact that I skipped from the six, you know, sorry, I, I didn't get the seven. So I said to myself, I'm going to go and treat myself to the 10. Um, if you know, if if I wasn't in that situation, would I go for the 10 versus the eight? I mean, the eight. Is a great, you know, it's better than the seven. I didn't even have the seven, and the seven is an amazing device. You know, I think the eight for most people is going to be more than enough device, mm -hmm. right? But me being an Apple fan and wanting to have, you know, that bigger, perfect screen and all these other little bells and whistles, I'll go for the 10. But I think most people would be extremely happy with an eight, even the seven, you know, yeah. for most of their day to day use. All right, well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Salt Lake Speaks, sponsored by Salt Lake City's Design Week. For the seventh year running, Salt Lake City's Design Week brings creativity to the forefront and explores the city's diverse and thriving design scene. Design Week will again offer daily workshops, a variety of lecture series at multiple venues, studio tours, exhibitions, networking opportunities, parties, and more. Join us October 16th to the 21st and find out more at sldesignweek.org. Be sure to find this and other podcast episodes at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcast.